Now, in Sunday school, I want to talk to you about how to confront adversity. How to confront adversity. It was way back when, 40-some years ago, I flew out of Nashville, Tennessee, uh, into Buffalo, New York, for a series of meetings in, meetings in a town called Colesville, Colesville, New York. Well, I left Nashville, it was around 90 degrees, got up to uh, Buffalo, pastor picked me up, took me over to the uh, rent-a-car uh, rent place. Of course, we didn't go to Hertz or Budget. We went to a place called Rent-A-Wreck. Rent-A-Wreck, that was the name of it, a rental car, and, and it was a Ford, so it lived right up to the reputation. I'm telling you, it was a dog car. Three-speed automatic Ford Escort. Uh, I got in that thing. My job was to follow the pastor out of town, and, 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 the, and the, it was automatic, uh, automatic transmission. It was stuck in first gear. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shift. So I'm redlining the thing, and finally after it warmed up, it, it lunged into second, then it lunged back into first, and back and forth, back and forth like a Bronco. Finally got stuck in second, and then after a little longer, it, it lunged into third, back into second, and, back, and I thought, well, this is going to be an interesting week. Well, there are no hotels in Colesville, New York, so they took me to this uh, golf club, and uh, they had these little motel rooms. I was the only guy there. And one night after, and every time I got in the church, I, I mean, the car was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So one night after church, I got invited to the home of some kind people. Uh, they were pet lovers. They had six, count them, six slobbering, stinking Labrador retreat, and, and they were just pests. How many know that pet owners are unaware that not everybody's as wild about their stinking dogs as they are? Amen. I'm, not everybody's as wild about this, but anyhow. So I'm sitting there sneezing my head off, and by this time, the temperature had dropped like 30 degrees. Well, I didn't have a top coat. It was 90 when I left home. Well, the gentleman was kind enough to lend me his top coat. And I'm pretty convinced it was the coat that the dogs had been sleeping on because it smelled like uh, pet dander. And <laughs> so I'm sneezing my head off. I get in my Ford Escort, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I begin to uh, thank the Lord for everything I could think of because the Bible does say in everything give thanks, right? Giving thanks always for all things. So I'm trying to practice this, sneezing. And, you know, I need, a, I need a whiplash medicine in that car. And I got to the... Um, motel-like uh, accommodation. I got out of the car, went through my pockets, and I couldn't find the hotel key. So I went through my pockets five times. You ever done that? You go through all of them hoping you missed it. And, and then I thought, well, I'm certain I left the sliding glass door open. I, I'm sure I did that. So it, it's past midnight. I'm climbing up on this deck in the back. And I get up, this was the night I remembered to lock the sliding glass door. This was the night. So it's past midnight. I've already made up my mind. I'm not going to call the pastor. I am not going to call the pastor. And uh, so I went down to Attica. Ever heard of Attica prison? Mm -hmm. So I went to this little town. And, of course, the only thing open was the bar. So I took my necktie off lest I get strangled and I took my Jesus first lapel pin off and I, I went in there and I thought now here's my plan I'm gonna uh, find a drunk and see if he knows who owns the golf course so I can how many how many know that calling a New York person at one o'clock in the morning 
could be dangerous. I, I, and I, I thought, this is going to go over good. But I, I rolled up in the bar. I sat down beside this guy. I said, uh, well, I'm staying over this uh, golf course. Would you happen to know who owns this place? He said, I sure do. Gave me his phone number. I called the guy up. He was as kind as he could be. Came running right over, led me into my apartment. I never did tell the pastor. But I told you that uh, story to say this, that uh, in life, not everything's going to go right, and a lot of things are going to go wrong. Uh, and, and we're going to encounter tribulation, trials, temptations. That's just the way it is. And a couple of things about adversity. God permits it, and God limits it. God permits it, and God limits it. It says in Isaiah 45, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. It's not talking about iniquity or transgression. It's talking about calamity. I, the Lord, do these things. So we're going to have to learn how to deal with adversity. So an encouraging message, in case you don't get the message, I'm telling you up front, this is encouraging, so smile at me if you can. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. How many know that verse? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Say it out loud with me. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Now, somebody said most men are, are born crying, they live complaining, and they die disappointed. Well, there's got to be a better way to do this. So there's no trial, test, that taken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested uh, beyond what you're able, although it gets really close sometimes, uh, but will with the temptation the test also make a way to escape. Now, I believe that man was created for dominion. Man was created for authority. God put Adam in charge of the Garden of Eden, told him to dress and keep it. He was the manager of the garden, if you will. And then when sin came in, a man lost his ruling privilege. He lost his dominion. Satan became the god of this world. And ever since then, uh, God's been up to a, a, a project. He's grooming a bride for his son uh, without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. He's out to bring many sons unto glory. And God is using tests, tribulations, trials uh, as the divine sandpaper to knock the rough edges off the saints. So there's a purpose in suffering. Now, time is the vestibule for eternity. Time is the dressing room. It's the preparation stage for eternity. And as God's people, we're engaged in on-the-job training because God is fitting up a generation uh, to rule and reign with Christ in ages to come. Now, that's a heavy-duty thing right there. I don't pretend to understand it, but I believe it. Say amen on that point right there. So we're going somewhere with this, and, and, and this is not the main show. This is uh, the apprenticeship stage, if you will, and suffering and adversity is one of the primary means that God uses to perfect the saints. Now, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just some thoughts here this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. <clears throat> when problems come, when adversity comes, it will either be an opportunity or an obstacle. 
It will either be an opportunity or an obstacle. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, 17 and 18. Read it out loud with me. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are, for the things which are seen are, but the things which are not seen. Now look, we're not, when problems come, when adversity comes, you're either going to stabilize or stumble. It'll either be a help or a hindrance. And somebody said nothing that happens uh, can injure you uh, unless you allow it to cause you to have a wrong attitude. So it's an opportunity or an obstacle. Now, when adversity comes, uh, it's uh, an opportunity to understand God's purposes in circumstances. There is no such thing as a saint who has not suffered. And these people that tell you if you follow Christ, you're going to be a gazillionaire, you ain't never going to get sick, and ain't never going to have a problem. What Bible are they reading from? I mean, honestly, what Bible are they reading from? Now, circumstances influence us, but they don't shape us. Circumstances don't make us, but our reaction to our circumstances certainly do make us. Two children grow up in the home of an abusive alcoholic father. One grows up to be a productive citizen. The other grows up to be a drunk. It wasn't the circumstances that determined how those children turn out. Turned out it was their reaction to their circumstances uh, that determined how they turned out. Somebody said circumstances are like a mattress. When you're on top, you rest in comfort, but when you're underneath, you get smothered. And it's important to get on the right side of circumstances uh, as quickly as possible. I know it's not always possible right off the bat, but, but I'm just telling you it's an opportunity opportunity uh, to understand something of God's purposes in circumstances. Number two, when, when problems come, when adversity comes, it's an opportunity to grow in grace. It's an opportunity to grow in grace. Anybody remember Piedmont Airlines? It was the Southern Airlines. I may think that Piedmont should have taken over U.S. Air instead of the other way around. See, man, right there. That's, uh, I won't go into it. But uh, anyhow, back in the old days, uh, I had a, had a flight booked on Piedmont Airlines. I never liked to get anywhere too early. Back in those days, you could show up 10 minutes before the flight. A strip search was not required to board an aircraft back in those days. And I showed up at the gate, and, and the lady said, Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Vaughn, but uh, your flight has been canceled. I thought, well, your connecting flight has been canceled. I thought, well, 13,500 employees, how come not one bothered to call me and tell me about this? Then she said, but don't worry about it. We've already rerouted you through Reagan National, and, and you're going to be fine. We've already called ahead, and they're going to hold the aircraft for you. Mm -hmm. I made an arrangement with all the major airlines. Uh, years ago, I just told them, hey, if I'm not there on time, go ahead and leave without me. And uh, so I, I, I thought, okay. So I got on, plan on the plane. And by the way, they would, they would uh, hold the plane in those days. They actually, sometimes they did. So I got on board and told the stewardess, oh, yes, sir, we, we're calling ahead. It, it, you, you, they, they're waiting on you. And, and I thought, uh-huh. So I landed in uh, <laughs> the airport, saw a Piedmont jet 
taken off. I said, I'll bet the farm, that's the plane I'm supposed to be on. And prophet that I am, I nailed it. And uh, I walked in the building. Now, it was like 100 degrees outside. Of course, the terminal I was flying out of, the air conditioning was broke, so it was 120. So I walked up to the counter, told a lady what had happened. Oh, yes, sir, we'll, we'll, we'll sort this out. And she fumbled around for an hour, and then she dove for a book of uh, flight schedules, like this big under the desk. Now, if they ever go for the books, leave, leave them, go find somebody that can speak English and somebody that knows something about uh, scheduling flights. So I was there for about an hour, and I said to the lady, I said, ma'am, uh, look, I'm, I'm going to miss my appointment. I never missed a preaching appointment ever until that point. Now, but I said, can I call the pastor? She said, oh, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, whatever you want. So I called the, the pastor. I said, preacher, I'm stuck here in the airport. I have no idea when I'll get there. And he was so kind. He says, don't worry about it, Harold. He said, just get here when you can. God's in control. Wow. And he was doing better than me. So uh, after two hours, and, uh, you know, I sweated out toxins from my entire life while I was sitting there in line. And I said, I'm going to go outside where it's cool, only 105. <laughs> outside, and I began to thank God for everything that had gone wrong, which you know, that took a long time. And uh, anyway, I, I showed up and walked into the church about 9 o'clock. And he said, uh, Harold, he said, you won't believe it. He said, when you call, the associate and I went to prayer. And um, we committed this thing to the Lord. And when they finished praying, a knock on the office door. There was an evangelist going down the interstate who had never gotten off at this particular exit, who had never been to this church, who didn't know it existed, but he felt impressed to get off the interstate. Believe this or not, walked up to the church, walked into the office, introduced himself to the pastor and said, I'm evangelist so-and-so, and if you ever need a speaker, I'm available. And the pastor said, are you available tonight at 7 o'clock? And the guy said, yes, and they let him preach. Can you believe that? I mean, but you know when problems come, it's an opportunity to trust the Lord, an opportunity to grow in grace. Now, the Bible says, count it in all joy when you fall into divers. That's not talking about scuba problems. It's talking about uh, various temptations, various trials, all kinds of difficulty. Watchman Nisney said, you'll never learn anything new about God except through adversity. This is, you know, the school of suffering graduates rare scholars. And there's stuff you're never going to learn any other way than in the school of suffering. Alexander McLaren said, every affliction comes with a message from the heart of God. You know, Brother Nick here, he's a, he's a contractor guy, beautiful house. You know, when, when a carpenter wants, to, a cabinet maker, when he wants to join two pieces of wood together, he puts some glue on them, then he puts some clamps on them, puts some pressure on them until the glue sets up, and then when the union is complete, when the union is set, the pressure is no longer needed, they take the clamps off. And you know, in, in suffering, the purpose of God is to unite our will with His will. And often, not always, but often when the union is set, when the 
when the union is complete, when our will is lost in his, many times the pressure can be relieved. But because the purpose is to bind our will to the heart of God. Number three, when problems come, it's an opportunity to trust God. It's an opportunity uh, to trust God. Peter Lord said we should gaze at God and glance at our problems. Say that out loud. Gaze at God, glance at our problems. In my life, I found it's easier to gaze at the problem and glance at God. But when we gaze uh, at, at the Lord, you do that through praise, you do that through gratitude, you do that through worship, then that, that'll help you to look at your problems different because things look different from God's point of view than the human point of view. So it's an opportunity to trust God. Now, when trouble comes, you're reduced to the level of what you really believe. You know, when the sun's shining, you don't know. You just don't know. We were talking about this last night, that uh, uh, we don't know how we're going to respond until we get into a pickle. I mean, no, it's real easy to talk big and talk faith and talk victory and talk, 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 talk when the sun's shining, eh? But, buddy, when the <laughs> cloud cover rolls in, then we find out what's really going on in our souls. And I'm telling you, it can be a revelation. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were in Egypt, but God gave them the promised land. And here they are, here they are. Uh, trouncing around in the wilderness, focused on the foes, giants, walls, cities. But God's purpose was not to get them out of Egypt. The purpose of God was to get them in to the promised land. And, and, and when adversity comes, the road to the promised land might be wrought with dangers and problems and all kinds of things. So we have an opportunity or an obstacle. It's two choices. Number two, when adversity comes, you're either going to get broken or you're going to get bitter. Look in Luke chapter 20, Luke chapter 20, verse 17. You're either going to get broken or you're going to get bitter. Luke chapter 20, verse 17. Luke chapter 20, verse 17. And Jesus beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Now notice the words of Christ. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be, say it out loud. Hmm. He's the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on him shall be, say it out loud. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. There is no, bro no blessedness apart from brokenness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's the broken and contrite heart that God does not despise. So the question is, uh, shall I be broken or will I be crushed? I guarantee your problems are coming. There's no, there is no temptation-free existence on planet Earth. Wouldn't it be good if we could arrive at sinless perfection? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, that, wouldn't that be just like Wow, fantastic, eh? However, there's no temptation taken us, such as is common to man, and God can help us. Now, I believe American Christians are sitting around waiting for God to fall to he from heaven, and he's waiting on us to fall on him. Because God's not going to fall till we do. Now, a lot of misleading 
information I think about brokenness. Some people think, well, if you're broken, that means you'll never laugh again. I mean, I mean, know that that Baptist slash frozen chosen Presbyterian look that some people have on all the time. Oh, we can't have any excitement in the house of God. Oh my! Well, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna get back to my message here and not say. So people think, well, brokenness is when you have this false humility. You know, you're kind of belittling yourself and downgrading yourself. You got this fallen countenance, and you know, you got to have your black tie and black suit and look like an Amish guy, and you know, and just uh, really, I mean, that's not that's not what brokenness is all about. You say, well, what is brokenness? Well, it's the avenue to joy. It's the way out of loneliness and depression. Brokenness is when I'm more aware of other people's needs than my own. Brokenness is when I'd rather die, die right than live wrong. Brokenness is when I'd rather serve than be served. And it's when I'd rather be useful than famous. Now, what is brokenness? Well, it's responding in humility. By the way, God is the humblest person in the entire universe. It's responding with selflessness. Now, as a Christian... There's nothing that can touch us that doesn't touch God first. And I, I don't believe in hyper-determinism. Let me just throw this out this morning. Uh, I don't believe that God is the author of sin for one moment. I don't believe that God is the dark side of the force that causes people and hardwires them to molest and kill and become drunk. I don't believe that for a minute because God, it can, it, 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 he, can't, he doesn't tempt man with evil and he, and he can't be tempted with evil. So that just can't be right. However, if before it gets to us, it slides through his hand. Remember Joseph, his father's favorite. Of course, his uh, brothers were jealous of that coat of many colors and you know, his brothers conspired to kill him. Finally, they sold him to a band of Ishmaelites. And the Bible tells us that uh, in slavery, he became a, a, a model slave. He became the lord of his master's house. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He didn't fall for it. Uh, he got thrown in prison. He was exalted in prison. And before it's all over, he's in charge of, of the entire kingdom. Like, he's right under uh, Pharaoh. Now, now, when his brother showed up who sold him out, uh, he said, you boys meant this thing for evil, but God meant it for good. Wow, what kind of outlook is this? I mean, uh, it was an opportunity to trust God. And I want to tell you that Joseph went from the pit to the prison to the palace because no root of bitterness ever sprung up in his heart. I find that amazing, don't you? And I got these piddly people ripping me off and uh, nothing compared to this guy, nothing like this right here. Now, Jesus Christ was God, and, and he left heaven. He was confer, uh, uh, confined to a human body, and the Bible tells us that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, this is brokenness, and brokenness is responding in humility. Oswald uh, Chambers said, Lord, drench us with humility. Lord, drench us with humility. Well, I like that. Number two, brokenness is responding with selflessness. Responding with selflessness. Alexander McLaren said, the pathway of spiritual progress will be marked by the bloody footprints of wounded self-love. That's a good one. 
The pathway of spiritual progress will be marked by the bloody footprints of wounded self-love. You know what the purpose of God is? Is to decentralize the self and exalt his son. That's the purpose of God. Except a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. There was a boy in high school. He was handicapped. He was on crutches, well-liked by his peers, excelled in his studies, but he was obviously terribly handicapped. Nobody ever said anything to him until one day his friend said, how come you're crippled? And the boy said, it was polio. And his friend pondered and he said, well, how did you keep from becoming bitter? And the crippled boy said, it never touched my heart. It never touched my heart. Wow. You know, pride, we react in anger, right? I deserve better than this. How come this happened? Um, it's not fair. And you know, when you're hurt and abused and go through hard difficulties, oh, you don't want to get soured by your circumstance. You, you want to respond in humility. And that's what brokenness is. It's responding with selflessness, responding in humility. Number three, responding with commitment. Now, the key to spiritual survival is running up the white flag of surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. American Christians are all about a Savior, not so much about a King. Hardly ever hear anything on the Lordship of Christ anymore. We've been real good on what Christ has done for us. We could have been a whole lot better on what Christ has done to us at the cross where we got crucified with him. But even more important, uh, we could do a whole lot better on what Christ can do in us by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's King James English. Say amen right there. Yeah, Bill's gone, so I'm going to say some stuff. Amen. I told, I told him we split the church Wednesday night. He said, well, which half did you split out? The bad half. He said, that's okay. <laughs> so, 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 so anyway, I mean, it's responding with, that was a joke. It's responding. <laughs> responding was what? Yeah, commitment. That's what it is. So the whole purpose of God is to shatter our will, that his will can be done. We're called to suffering, it says in 1 Peter chapter 2. Christ, when he was reviled, reviled not again, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. To commit your way to the Lord, and, 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 and your thoughts will be established. Your circumstances will likely never change until you allow your circumstances to change your character. And when that changes, then God sometimes is able to uh, shuffle the deck uh, here. So the question is, will we get broken or will we get bitter. Number three, when, when problems come, there's either going to be a spiritual victory or a satanic defeat. That's the options. Two options, no third option. Victory or defeat. 1 John 2, I write unto you fathers because you have known him from who is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you've overcome the wicked one. And I write unto you little children because you have known the father. So three categories of growth here, fathers, young men, and children. Now, problems are stepping stones or seeking sand. Problems, adversity will either cause you to move away from God or move toward God. How many know that some people get bitter when, when bad things happen? We're, some, people are tempt, we're, some of us are tempted to wonder what in the world's going on here. Eh? 
And, uh, but other people, man, they seem to improve with adversity. I, I'm, I marvel at these people. I'm, wow, I'm just amazing. So real calamity in life is to lose one's faith in God. We got more people deconverting from the Christian faith now than are converting to the faith. It's amazing. Um, and you know conflict, what it does? It reveals our character. It just reveals what's in us. The trials prove us. In the Old Testament, when a silversmith wanted to purify uh, uh, silver ore, he'd throw it in the pot, heat it up till it liquefied. When it liquefied, the impurities would float to the surface. He would ladle those off. And he'd go through this process seven times, uh, getting the fire hotter every time. Every time he got it hotter, a different kind of impurity would surface. And he would just go through this process. If he didn't ladle off the impurities, the scum, it would sink back into the fabric of the metal. You wouldn't know it was there until it got heated up again, and then it'd come right floating back up. They tell me that he'd go through this process seven times, getting the liquid uh, silver so pure he could look into liquefied or and see his own reflection. It was that pure. Now, you know what happens when, when we get put in the fire, in the furnace of affliction? You know what happens? Impurities surface. And you know what? If you don't deal with the impurities, uh, they'll just settle right back down, and you won't know they're in there until you get put in the fire again. Now, most people, when they get put in the fire, they don't deal with the impurities in their own heart. They jump out of the fire. They jump out of the marriage. They feel better until it heats up in the next one, and then the same thing starts to rise up in their souls again. You know, you can leave one church when problems come if you want to, but it's going to heat up over the next place, and the same junk's going to start coming out of your heart in the next place if you don't deal with it in the here and now. Now, we're going to have to deal with some of this stuff. Now, there's nothing pleasant about dealing with impurity, and uh, we're going to have to deal with it. It reveals our character. Number two, conflict uh, develops our integrity. Abraham Lincoln said the reason that rivers follow the line of least resistance, and that's why they're so crooked. <laughs> what about old, old, old Joe? Satan came to attack him. He lost his home, his health, his herds. He didn't curse God. Even his wife was overwhelmed, and I'm not going to make fun of her ever again. She lost 10 children. Okay. So maybe she did good, not do any worse than she did. Now let's look at it that way. But old Job, he didn't curse God. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. Number three, conflict, it purges our souls from sin. He that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, 1 Peter 4. My cousin got cancer, and uh, I kind of became her pastor. She went to a liberal church, and I kind of became her pastor at the end of the day. And She said, Harold, I thank God for my cancer. What? I thank God for my cancer. I said, what do you mean? She said, if I hadn't got cancer, I probably never would have gotten saved. That's what she said. So conflict, what does it do? It, it, it purges our souls from sin. And, and when, 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 you're, when you're under it, that's a good time to have a little evaluation uh, session uh, between you and God. Number four, when problems come, when adversity comes, there's either going to be despondency or determination. 
determination or despondency. You either overcome or you're overwhelmed. You, you either persevere or you perish. I mean, problems, difficulties, perplexities, doubts. Well, you got to make a determination, number one, to believe God despite your feelings. All the emotional people say amen right there. you got to determine to believe God despite your feelings. What has feelings got to do? Nothing. <laughs> so you got to determine to believe God. Now, it's not what you're going through. It's what you're going to. And the Bible says that God's people are destined for the throne. We're going to rule and reign with Christ in ages to come. So we have to make a determination uh, to believe God despite our emotions. Yeah, I was in Bible college. A guy came in, Bill Rice. He said, "He said if you don't have faith, act like it. If you don't have faith, act like it." I said, "Not just him. That's the stupidest thing I've heard in my life." And you know what I think now? Dead on. Yeah. Well, if you don't have faith, never mind. Just act like it. <laughs> And faith is believing what you can't see anyhow, right? It's trusting God when you can't see nothing anyway. What about old John the Baptist? You know, he's laid up in prison and lights are out and 18 months of silence and greatest born among women is doubting the whole works and sends word, are you the Messiah or should we look for another one? Well, he wasn't feeling too excited. How many know his political aspirations had been shot to pieces? How many know the disciples with their uh, wanting Jesus to uh, restore the uh, kingdom back to Israel? How many know the political thing didn't work out for that crowd? It ain't working out for us either. And you know something? We ain't here. We ain't here to save the country. We're not here to save the culture. We're here to save souls. And God knows we need to get back to some kingdom focused instead of the kingdom of man. Say hallelujah and amen on that point right there because if you don't, you're going to be mad all the time. Now, I don't have cable, but I'm over at my friend's house and he has Fox, Fox News. That's an automatic extra blood pressure pill every time I cut that thing on because I just don't, I'm not spiritual enough. I just got to tell you, I just, well, what I'm telling you is we're going to have to get kingdom money. Y'all with me on this point right here? I'm a child of God. I, I thank God I'm an American. I thank God for our heritage. I thank God for the freedoms of, of we still have some of them. Hallelujah. But wait, wait a minute, I'm a child of God before I'm a, I'm a citizen anywhere else in our kingdom. Our citizenship is in heaven. Is anybody hear what I'm saying here this morning? It was really good, Brother Aaron. Thank you. All right, now we got we to gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta make a determination to believe God despite how we feel. Now, look, the psalmist said, I'm so troubled, I can't even speak. Oh, boy. Number two, determination. You got to make a determination to deal with it. You ever see those ostriches? You know, three hundred pound birds can't fly, and, and when they get scared, you know what they do? Stick their head in a hole in the ground. Three hundred pound butt sticking up in the air, and they're hiding like nobody's going to see me now. I got my. <laughs> And, and, and you know something? When problems come, 
You can't escape them by denying them or ignoring them or trying to hide from them. You, you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, uh, <laughs> and grit your teeth sometimes, kind of like Gideon. He was faint yet pursuing them. So here's what I'm saying. Don't let tragedy be the defining issue in your life. Now, some of y'all had some tragedy. We've all had tragedy. Some of you have had some lately. And some of us are going to have some soon. Don't let that be the defining issue in your life in a negative way. Number three, you've got to make a determination to obey God no matter what. Now, look, I'm not in this for the outcome. <laughs> I'm in this for the long run. And we're doing right not just because the outcome is going to be perfect every time. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And sometimes doing the right thing costs. It costs 11 of the 12 uh, apostles their lives, right? I, I mean, you know what I'm saying here. So we got to make a determination. Hey, we're, we're sticking this out. We're staying the course, man. We're going to obey God no matter what. So when you get hurt and disappointed and let down, you, you either wash out or go on. And, and regardless of what anybody else does, you can, you can go on. And nothing can whip you unless you let it. Now, I just like people who have a positive attitude. I just, I just admire it. I just, I'm attracted to it. I, I appreciate it. I, I like it. I just, I just, they, they determine they're going to finish the course. And they're going to go out. They're going to go out full bore. Full blast, as much as possible, no matter what. A young Oriental student decided to mock his elderly teacher, so he, he had a plan. He was going to catch a small bird, put it in his hands behind his back, and he was going to go to this, uh, his teacher and say, Old man, what do I have in my hand? And if the old man said, A bird, he said, Well, old man, is it dead or alive? If the old man said it was alive, he determined he was going to crush the bird and kill it. If he said it was dead, he was going to open his hands and let it fly away. So he went to this old oriental sage, and he said, Old man, what do I have in my hand? And he had this bird behind his back. And the old man said, uh, 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 It's a bird, my son. And then the student said, Well, old man, is the bird dead or alive? And the sage said, The answer to that question, my son, is in your hands. It's in your hands. And when problems come, how we respond, that's in our hands. That's our prerogative. That's our choice, right? That's our decision. So what are we going to do when problems come? Well, there's the choice of life and death, and the choice is up to us. So here's the choice. When problems come, make an opportunity rather than an obstacle. Number two, get broken instead of getting bitter. Number three, choose victory rather than defeat. And number four, by the grace of God, ask God for determination and resiliency instead of despondency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no life ain't easy, but God is good, and God can help us. He will help us, and he told us there's no problem, temptation, trial, difficulty, taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. Hallelujah. So we're on the winning side, child of God. And this morning, whatever you're going through, just look at it like this. Make it an opportunity. Decide, I'm going to get broken in the presence of God. I ain't going to 
I don't want to get crushed. I, I'm going to fall on Jesus right here, here this morning. By the way, God won't fall until we do. <laughs> and when we fall on him, then uh, here we are. Uh, we're choosing victory, which is already accomplished. We're not working for it. We're working from it. And then the determination, rather than to go off into despondency. God can help us. How many, how many got a little help this morning? Let's stand and let's pray right quick. Let's just uh, bow before the Lord. Hey, look, I, I don't know what you're dealing with going through. Just maybe you're having a rough go. Just just tell the Lord. Tell the Lord you're, you're thankful that he's going to get you through it. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.